you do me a favor and just uh, just pray with me? <clears throat> Father, I pray for the, the people of our church who you, you love so much. And I, I, I pray for the, the, the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit. And I think some of us are in a place where we're ready. And I think others of us, maybe we're kind of distracted. But would you help us to focus and to listen to your voice? Sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's really soft. But would you speak to your people? And, and bring us to a place where we can obey and we can just have more satisfaction and joy in obeying you and being your, your children. We ask that you would come and just bless us with your amazing presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can take a seat. I have a friend. I have more than one friend. But I have one friend who is a successful businessman. And one thing that that he taught me is this one saying, and I've said it before, uh, but he, he would say something like, what does success look like? You guys know who my, my, my one friend is here. Um, and, and so he would teach this to his, his employees before they would go into a meeting. What does success look like coming out of, of this meeting? Now, what we're doing in this series is we are asking you guys for your lives, what would success look like? Now, I, I want you to imagine in that moment, right before this life is about to be over. So it, it could be one of two scenarios. One scenario is uh, you're, you're about to pass away. Okay? That's one scenario. Uh, the second scenario is that Jesus is right about to come. So it could be in this life. If not in this life, then certainly this life is going to pass away. Now, at, at that moment, right before your, your life as you know it is over, and you look back on your life, what would success look like? And the, the whole series, these 40 days, is, is making a plan so that you'll be ready for that moment and you, you'll look back and you'll have no regrets. That's the idea of this series. Now, since we're speaking of the end and we're in that kind of mind frame, I, I, I did a little bit of research online. And I came up with a short list of last words that people said right before they passed away. Now, these, for the, for the most part, are, are people that you know. So here we go. Last words of people that you probably have heard of. Walt Disney. Did you know that when Walt Disney was a, about to pass away... They gave him a piece of paper and a, and, and a pencil, and he wrote two words down. He wrote Kurt Russell. Now, Kurt Russell at, at that time was, was 15 years old, but he started acting at age 11. And to this day, no one knows why he wrote Kurt Russell, not even Kurt Russell. But there you go. Those were his last words, Kurt Russell. He was probably thinking of a, the next project, probably. Okay, how about this one? JFK. JFK, who was blown away. There's a certain irony to some of these last words. So if, if it's funny to you, feel free to laugh. Um, but so, so 
he was riding in his, oh, it's not funny, but he was riding in his motorcade with the top down, and he was riding really slowly, and his bodyguard turns around to, to JFK and says, you certainly can't say that D- Dallas doesn't love you, Mr. President. And JFK said, no, you certainly can't say that. And then, and then he would shot in the head. How about this one? Okay, this one's a little bit more lighthearted, okay? This, this person uh, by the name of Dominique Boers. Boers, it's French. So, I, uh, so it's, Dominique said this, I am about to or I am going to die. Either expression is correct. And then they passed away. By the way, he was a famous French grammarian. <laughs> so... I, I, that one's okay. Um, how about this one? Chris Farley. Chris Farley. We all know Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live, right? He spent his very uh, last night uh, with a woman, and he overdosed. And the woman was was leaving the bed, and he said, "Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me." And then he went unconscious, and then he, he passed away. Okay, that one is pretty sad. Yes, um, that one's pretty sad. But, I, but I'm, I'm getting you in that mind frame. Like, what would your last words be? What would your last words be? When, when you look back at the, 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 the totality of your life, what would go through your mind? I, I heard this story. It's not a last word story, but it, it's a last night story. John Fisher was the Bishop of Rochester. And he was being executed for his refusal to approve of the king's policy. But he knew in his heart that he was doing what was right before God. And this is a man that devoted his life to God. He devoted his life to the church and to education. So he was woken up on the morning of his execution. And he was told that he has a couple more hours. That they extended it by a couple more hours before he would be beheaded. And here's how he responded. He responded by saying, oh, okay, well... If that's the case, then I like to actually go back to sleep for a little bit. Now, that's, that's interesting, right? That's weird. That's not how I would do it, right? But here's a man. He looks at the totality of his life. He's at perfect peace. And when he's told that his execution is delayed two hours, he's like, you know, that's great. I think I'm going to get a little bit more sleep. So I can sleep, lose my head be with Jesus, you know, I, I want to be well-rested for that moment. I don't know what he was thinking, but he was at perfect peace. You know, would, would you be at perfect peace when you look back? Would you be like, no regrets? I got no regrets. I, I've shared this story with uh, most of you. And it's a, it's a story that's very close to my heart. It's precious to me. But I think it's really appropriate, given this time and the topic and the situation. My father, at the age of 45, he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And so when I was, at the time, in middle school, I got a call from my my best friend, Doug Davis, who actually later went on to the um, MLB and became a professional pitcher. But anyway, he was my best friend at the time. He called me up and he said, Andrew, do you want to come over for a sleepover? And I said, absolutely, yeah. And so I ran over to my mom and said, Mom, Doug invited me. Can I go to a sleepover? And my mom said, go ask your dad. And so I remember approaching the living room where he was in his hospital bed. And my father at that moment, the cancer was just eating away at his body. He was gaunt. He was just a skeleton of a man. And I remember running up to the side of his bed and saying, Dad, 
Dad, Doug Davis invited me to go sleep to his house. Can I go? Can I go? And he said, he said to me these words. He says, do you know that I love the Smurf? But it was more like, you know, it was, it was a very weak voice. Do you know that I love the Smurf? And I'm like, Dad, Doug invited me to come over to his house. Can I go? Yes or no? And he says it again. Do you know that I love the Smurf? And at this time, I was just like, Dad, stop it. Can I go to Doug Davis's house? Yes or no? He goes, he says yes, and I just, I ran off. And then a couple months later, my father passed away. Now, I don't know exactly what was going through his mind. I don't know. But I do know that for my father, he had no interest in God for most of his life. And sometimes it felt like he didn't really have much interest in me. Like, I can count on two fingers the time that he actually directly expressed his love to me. But I imagine that when he was on his deathbed, he was thinking about his life, and there was a lot of regrets there. And during that time, he, 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 he made his peace with God, and then he wanted to make his peace with, with me. So when he was saying to me, do you know that I love the Smurf? I know what he was talking about. He used to call me the Smurf. So he was trying to say to me, do you know that I love you? And, you know, it's weird because for all my life, he never expressed it. And now at the, at the end, when I wanted to go to Doug's house, then he was, I couldn't receive it. It was too late. And I, I'm sharing with you this story because I don't want anyone at that point, when you're, when you're looking at your life and you're about to see Jesus the very, in the next moment, I don't want anyone to have regrets. I want you to think about the end now. So you will do now what you're probably in your mind saving for much, much later. There's urgency. And so we're talking about what it looks like to live a life without regrets. And some of you guys need to make your peace with God now. Don't, don't wait to many, many years later if God gives you many years later. And what makes you think that you actually have time to prepare? The time to prepare is now. The time to make peace with God is now. The time to make peace with people is now. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 25? Matthew chapter 25. Uh, let me tell you the main idea. Uh, last Sunday, the main idea of the message is that live each day with urgency because Jesus Christ could come back the very next day. But now this installment of Scripture balances last week out. And actually, it builds on last week. So on the one hand, live each day with urgency because Jesus Christ would come the very next day. But at the same time, live each year with perseverance because Jesus actually could take a long time coming. So live each day with urgency and live each year with perseverance because he actually could take a long time. Uh, 25 verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Okay, it, it's hard for me to, uh, to get into this parable without explaining a little bit of the context. So I'm going to explain a little bit of the context. Uh, normally the bridegroom with some close friends will go to the bride's house for the wedding day. And then there will be a lot of ceremonies. And then after the ceremony, they'll form this procession. 
And they will make this march through the streets, you know, visiting neighbors and, and relatives and friends and, and people that would pass by in the marketplace. And then the people would come out of their houses and wave and say hello or maybe stop and talk to them or say a prayer or blessing over them. Now, you got to think that the bride and the groom, this is their day and they're waiting for this day for so long. And finally, that day is, is there. They want to soak in every moment of it. You know, I don't know for you, but my wedding day was kind of like that. And I just wanted to just talk to everyone. I was having such a great time, you know, and I did, I, it was just slipping by. I just wanted every moment to last. And so you imagine this bride and the groom, they're going to every neighbor, every person they might know. And, and they just want the people to, to share in their joy, you know. And so then here are these bridesmaids or these virgins and they're waiting, waiting. Now, the verse two, five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Because the wise bridesmaid, they know those guys are probably having a great old time. We're going to probably be waiting here forever. And so we're going to bring extra provisions just in case they take a long time. Verse 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and sleepy. Can you guys say that word all for me? All. Now, I'm hoping you're going to take a lot of comfort in this word all, okay? So I just want to point out, you know, not just the foolish virgins. It's the wise bridesmaids that fell asleep. They all fell asleep. They all fell asleep. Now, why is this, why is this a word of hope and encouragement? <clears throat> Can you guys relate to a time when your fire for God kind of went out? Or let me put it a different way. Can you remember a time when you actually had fire for God, you know? Let me put it the other way, right? You had fire for God, and then at some point, it kind of went out. Now, now I, I'm, I'm a pastor, and one of, one of the ways that I really try to take care of people is I, I ask people how they're doing spiritually. But, you know, it's kind of weird to ask someone how you're doing spiritually or how you're doing with your relationship with God because I've noticed this by asking quite a few people, and they don't know how to respond. Like, I... We're fine, I guess. You know, it's, it's weird. So, so nowadays I ask questions like, well, are you feeling close to God these days? Well, it's like a better version of that question and people can better relate to that. And so I've asked quite a few of you, you know, are you feeling close to God these days? And quite a few people have said, ah, you know, actually, it's been a long time since I've really felt close to God. And I, you know, I, I tried to, like, how long? Ah, like since college. Uh, these are people who have been like 15 years from college. So I'm like, so it's been 15 years that you... And then the same story will, 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 will fall. It will be like, you know, like it was in college. I was really excited about, my, about God and my relationship with God. And I'm spending time with him. And then I graduated. And I got this job. 40, 50 hours a week, and it was just sucking all my time. And, I, and then my, comp, my quiet times with God got compromised. And then I went off and got married. And these kids came. Now, what little time I had for quiet time all got snuffed out. So my quiet times with God, my, my one-on-ones with God, they're virtually non-existent. Okay, so this parable gives us hope. It's saying, look, we all go through times like that. But it's, it's also asking the question, do you have oil? And how can you get that fire back for the second half of your life? Okay? That's, that the question is asking, how can you get fire back? And, and not just now, 
five years from now, 20 years from now, until the very day God takes you away or he comes back uh, and Jesus comes back. Oh, by the way, younger people. I wanted to say this word for younger people. You're like, no. I, you, maybe, maybe you're like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm uh, warming towards God. Or maybe you're like, I'm young and I'm doing great with God. And so my word for you guys is you guys later on with work and God willing, with family and maybe marriage, God willing and kids, it's going to get harder. I mean, if you're going to have a vital uh, relations, you gotta fight for it because all these forces are just pulling you away from that. And when you spend time with God, no one's like, oh wow, that's great, that's wonderful. No one does that. So, uh, my question for you guys, how are you setting foundations now, spiritual disciplines that will last when you go into your 20s, when you go into your 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond? Because it's gonna get harder, that's my point. That's my point. So you gotta have oil for the second half. Verse 6. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. So they wanted to, to bump some um, oil from the wise virgins and bridesmaids. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Okay, <clears throat> what's happening here? Uh, these women could have lamps and, you know, so when they fell asleep, uh, the fire went out. And so the, all the oil was burned up. So the wise one, they had reserves. They poured it in. Or maybe it was a torch, I'm not sure, with rags. You dip it in the oil. But there wasn't enough for the foolish. There wasn't enough. So, so you know, uh, what is this parable saying? It's not talking about the morality of sharing. That's, that's not what it's about. What is it saying? I think it's saying this. Spiritual preparedness is not something that others can provide for you. Every person needs their own oil. Let me repeat that. Every person needs their own oil. Uh, Sometimes uh, we kind of look like at Sunday services. You know, that's my, my time to get my oil. And sometimes we come to church like, okay, so if, if you know, Pastor Andrew or Pastor Calvin or the guest speaker is on, then I'm going to get my connection with God. But, but sometimes they're having a bad day, and so I'm not, really, I'm not really connecting. I'm not really getting fed. I'm not really connecting with God. And I, with mu- as much love and respect I have for you guys, my word to you guys is, you got to get your own oil. You, I mean, what I'm saying is that from Monday through Saturday, when you're meeting with God, that's the time that you get fed. And then when you come on Sunday, it's like, I got my oil, and Pastor Andrew has his oil, and we're all sharing oil. It's a blazing fire. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be, right? I mean, don't put all that pressure on me, you know? <laughs> like, oh, gosh, I got to perform well, so they get their oil. I love you guys. You need to get your own oil. You need to get your own oil. Your, your Bible... Your prayer time, your closet with God. And you're coming out of that time going, you know, I made a connection with God. I made a connection with God. It's, 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 it's. And, then, and then Sunday is just like this supplement, this vitamin supplement to your diet. Great. But you guys got to get your own oil. You can't seek externally 
what God needs to give you internally. I don't know if, if, if anyone is feeling convicted now. Um, good, good, because spiritual preparedness is not something that others can provide for you. Every person needs their own oil. Verse 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridemaid came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, watch, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Uh, three weeks ago, something happened to me for the first time. I've, I've heard it happen to other people, but it's never really happened to me. So it was just kind of a weird experience. But I was taking a vacation to Connecticut. That's where my brother lives. And I sent my family on ahead because I had some stuff to do here. I just, things to kind of finish up. And then on Saturday morning, the day after Valentine's Day, I woke up at 5 a.m., got a taxi, went to the airport, got in the wrong line, and then I went to the TSA. It was so crowded. You know who I bumped into? You never would have imagined this. Pastor Jonathan from SDA. He just comes like, you know, strolling in, right? I'm like, hey, Pastor Jonathan. He's like, hey, Andrew. It was really funny. It was a long line behind me, but he's like, he like just cuts in. And he's like, oh, I'm sure those people won't mind, you know? And we're like, okay, cool. We're just kind of talking, right? We go through the TSA, and he asks me kind of casually, hey, uh, when's your flight, blah, 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 where I'm going? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, my flight's like in 20 minutes. He's like, 20 minutes? You're going to miss your flight. I'm like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't travel much. I, I, I think they're going to hold, I think they communicate, like the TSA, they communicate with the gate. I'm sure they're going to say that we got some people in line, just wait up. I'm sure that's going to happen. He's like, no, 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 no. We got to get you up front. Now, here's the thing. The person behind me was overhearing our conversation. He's like, I'm on the same flight, 20 minutes. And the person behind them was like, I'm on the same flight too. (laughs) And so Pastor John says, all right, let's go. So you know how the line, you know, it, 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 so at the turn of the line, what Pastor Jonathan and I do, we, we, we open that little section divider, and we're walking through, just bypassing all the crowds. It was like, he was like the African-American Moses leading the group of people to the promised land. We're just like following, you know, passing by all these people. And then there's one woman who's giving me like the stink eye. And Pastor Jonathan's like, you know, they're, they're late. They're going to miss their flight 20 minutes. So we, we still need to go from the line. And she goes, I'm on that same flight too. And so the, the, the four of us are like, oh, okay. And then we walked all the way back to where we started, you know, and took the section divider and put it back on. It was, a, it was the walk of shame, you know. And so and then finally I got through the TSA and I made it to the gate and I was five minutes th- and the, the plane was there. The plane was there and the guy was there at the gate and he said, the gate is shut. And I, I wrote to the counter. I'm like, look, the plane is there. The plane is there. I'm here. We're five minutes. I can make it. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. I don't know you. Get away from me. No, no. What she said, what she said was, I'm sorry. Once the gate is shut, we can't let anyone in. But, 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 and then I'm just like, if I had just woken up 10 minutes earlier, got in the right line, not had bumped into Pastor Jonathan, you know, something, I, I was just filled with regret. Okay. Look, this parable Jesus is telling us this parable. He's trying to give us some hope. Don't let that happen to you. There are decisions you need to make now. Not way, 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 then when it's too late. 
So how about it? How about it? We don't want to hear the gate is shut. We want to be inside when we see that gate. We want to be inside when we, hear, when we see that gate. Now, you remember this parable is right before the, the, the previous parable. So again, the main idea is live each day with urgency. Because Jesus might come the next day. But live each year with perseverance. Because he might take a long time. And so what we actually need is a plan. A plan that has urgency and perseverance all through that. Now, I I wanted to be really uh, practical, and so I have two practical suggestions to give you. And I think this would be really helpful for people who are like, okay, what what do you want want me to do? How do I get in that gate? What what, what does it look like? How does my life uh, need to to look and be, be different? The first suggestion I want to give you guys is remember his grace. Can you guys repeat that with me? Remember his grace. Uh, let's say you're in this place and there's open acknowledgement. You know, you know, Pastor Andrew, honestly, my fire for God is, it's gone out. I don't have that love for God. I don't have that passion for God. I, there's not like a really cool dynamic between God and I. It's, 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 it's cold. It's, it's cold. So what do I do? What do I start? Where do I go? I would say the very first place to start is you remember his grace. Because this has everything to do with the story of scripture. What's the very first commandment that God gives us in his word? What's the very first commandment? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, where's the very first place all of us have failed in loving God with all of heart, soul, and mind? We've gone cold. The, the one thing he asked is the very first place where all of us have failed. So what does God do? We're like, you know, I haven't loved you. I haven't, I haven't put you first. What does God do in response? God trades his very own life for us. His own son was sacrificed for us. You're like, I, I did nothing. I didn't give God the love that he deserved. And God, in response, sacrifices his own life for our lives. Now, if you think about that, that's where the tears, that's where the love comes from. It's because he loved us first. So you remember his grace. I have a really, I have a, a, a friend, uh, uh, love talking to this guy. His name is Barry Chen. Um, and he went to this one conference that's, that's thrown by uh, InterVarsity. It's called Urbana. Now, how many of you guys have been to Urbana? I'm just curious. Okay, it's, 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 it's like, uh, what's like five days. And, and tens of thousands of people come to this missions conference, and they get like uh, the, the, uh, the world-renowned speakers, and and the and the, the worship, everything is just top-notch. It's pulsating with energy. You get and you, then you throw young people into the mix, and it's crazy rah-rah experience, right? Now I've been there, right? And so the worship, everyone's like raising their hands. And so my friend Barry has been there. It's like day number three, and he was kind of getting tired. You know, imagine being surrounded by all these young people and his, his good friend Hanron's like, Hallelujah! You know, and you know when you're not feeling it and other people are really excited, you just get annoyed. You ever been there? I mean, you just go like, oh, come on, hallelujah. 
right? And so he was sitting there and he's like, Lord, I'm just going to give up. I can't manufacture all this love for you. I'm not excited as they are. And so what he did is he just sat down. He just sat down and then he just buried his head in his hands. And when he did that, at that moment, he felt like God was speaking to him. And he said, that's okay. You don't have to manufacture anything. Just rest in my deep love for you. Just know that I love you. Well, as Barry tells me this story, minutes later, he's up. His hands are up. Hallelujah. It's coming from Barry, right? Why? Our love for God is a response to his amazing love for us. God gave us everything through the death of his son on the cross. That was before you even did anything. Even before you shed one tear. That's what he did for you. Now you remember that. And then the love, the tears, the passion, it comes rushing back. Because our love for him is a response to his love for us. I know that on your outline, I have three suggestions for you. I killed the second one because we didn't have much time. I'm just going to go right through the third. My third suggestion for you is, is getting that fire back. Not, not just now, but five years, ten years, twenty years, forty years from now. Here's my suggestion. Drop something and pick something up. Can you guys repeat that with me? Drop something and pick something up. <clears throat> A lot of people mistaken spiritual growth and what it looks like to be holy by letting go and saying no to bad things, right? So I guess if I'm going to grow and be more like Christ, it means no, you know, no to watching these things on the internet that I shouldn't be watching, no to like Korean drama, I don't know, like no to, no to, the, no to these things. Ah, uh, that's kind of it. But the Christian faith is actually a lot more of a big yes than it is a big no. It's a big yes to better things, more life-giving things. It's not just the letting go of bad habits. It's the picking up of good habits. So when you talk about a a plan, it's the letting go and the picking up for the long term. Now, let me give you an example of this. Recently, Raina comes up to me. This is for Lent. She gives me her iPad. She calls it her, her, her precious, you know. And I'm joking. She doesn't call it that. But, but, but sometimes, okay, sometimes at nighttime, it's, it feels like it's like I'm not married to Raina. Her iPad is married to Raina. It kind of feels like that sometimes, right? Sometimes. And, and so she, she comes up to me and she's like, here, Andrew. And it wasn't even this big, long speech. She's like, here, Andrew, for Lent. Here, you take it. Really? She goes, you hide it, and you better hide it good, because I'm going to go looking for it later on, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hide it. I'm going to hide that iPad. You know, and, and, and here's the thing. My, my wife is not just wise in the letting go of something, but she's wise in the picking up of something new. So here's what she said. She, she, and this, is, this is a while ago. She said, listen, you know, uh, uh, during this phase of life, you know, having young kids, quiet times are getting snuffed out. These are my own words, but she's like, I, I don't want that to happen. I want to wake up on a regular basis and spend 10, 15 minutes with God on a regular basis. And so she was like, well, you got to help me out then. So then when I'm doing that, you got to like feed the kids and all that. And, you know, I'm like, all right, let's do it. 
So what happens in the morning time on a regular basis, she'll wake up and I, and you know, sometimes, you know, I wake up after her and my hand will go down because I just want to know if she's there, but I don't want to open my eyes. My hand just goes down, you know, and oh, she's empty. And then I'll wake up and I'll look in the closet in my closet. She took over my closet, by the way. I have no access to my clothes in the morning. She took over my closet and I see the light coming from the, from below. I know that Raina's spending time with God. So and then I'm, I'm tending with the kids and like, where's mommy? And I'm like, mommy is spending time with God. So you be quiet and eat your oats, you know? And it works. They're like, oh, time with God. Oh, mommy's doing that. You know, it's, it's, it's great. You, you drop something, but you don't just drop it. You pick up something better. I'll, I'll give you another example. There, there, was, there was time not too long ago where I was taking a walk with God, and I'm saying, Lord, I want to be closer to you. How can I get closer to you? And I just listened to God, and God said one word. I said, Netflix. I'm like, okay. And I know I knew what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to let go of Netflix. Because like every, not every night, but okay, every night to rest, I'll, 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 I'll click on Netflix and I'll watch something. And you can't watch just half a movie, right? You gotta, you gotta come back to it and finish it, right? And so I, I might spend in my free time maybe something like watching a movie every night. I'm not proud of it, but that, that's how I unwind. And, and so I was like, Lord, and he's like, Netflix. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, do you want me to let go of Netflix for six months or a year? He goes, can I say anything? I'm like, okay, so you're saying it's my choice. Okay, I will let go of Netflix for a year. But it's not just letting go of something. It's also picking something up. So whenever I go to the office, I've picked up one hour just of spending time with God. So I'm going to be reading the scriptures and meditating on the scriptures or, or just praying for people or talking to them about these decisions and spending time just listening to names and I get up and worship. It's kind of different every time. And I would say that during this past uh, eight months that I've been doing this, I'm hearing a lot more from God than I used to. I'm feeling a lot closer to God than I used to. And now I just want you to imagine, like oh, when, many years from now when I'm on my, my deathbed, I'm about to see the Lord. I'm not going to be saying, oh, I wish I had spent more time watching Netflix. No one does that. Netflix, closer to God. What about uh, what you might have to let go so that you can be closer to God? Is that, is that worth it to you? That exchange, is that worth it to you? If God, like during this time that we're about to, uh, to listen, if he highlights something... And you're like, okay, this thing that he highlighted, or more of God. This thing that I, I really, really treasure, or being closer to God. Well, think about it. Many, many years from now, if God gives you that long, what decision would you not regret? Now, what we're going to do right now is we're going to sing this song. It's a powerful song. It's called, I Surrender All. And I want you guys, when you sing this song, to really try to mean it. And if you're like, I, I, then you can pray, Lord, help me to be in a place where I can say, I surrender all. And then what we're going to do is we're going to stand, and we're just going to listen to God. We're just going to say, God, remember his grace. We're going to say, God, is there something that you want me to drop so I can get closer to you? And then we're going to ask, is there something you want me to pick up so I can be closer to you? And then we're just going to listen and see what he says, see what he brings to mind. And then when he brings that to mind, you can go, okay, this thing that I, that I treasure or closer to God.
Which one? Which one? And you can do the wrestling with your, in, in your own mind, in your own heart. So can I ask you guys to all stand? We're going to sing this powerful song, I Surrender All. And again, let's sing it and mean it. And if we can't sing it, then we can pray, Lord, help me to be in a place where I can really sing this and mean it with all my heart. And then I'll come back and lead us in a time of listening to God.